Dracula. He belong dead. It's just swimming with bow-legged women. Fix me! Behold the wind! My local grocery store. One of the cashiers, this guy, saw me. He was I was with my girlfriend and you know, we were walking towards the checkout and he waves at me. Alright. And I was like, Alright, that's cool. I mean I don't know who this dude is. I've seen him. He checked us out a couple times. So he goes walks towards me and he's like, Give me some skin and he gives me a high hmm. five. I'm like, Okay. Already strange, but whatever. Yeah, right? So I'm like, Alright, I'll give this this guy a high five. I don't do that. I'm not a very sociable person. I gave him a high five and he started staring at me. All right. While in the checkout line, right? So I'm okay. like, hey. He's like, you got a Facebook? Well, yeah. He's like, are we friends? This guy was my, he served me at the checkout line. You know what I mean? He, it's like a restaurant server. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, that's how, that's exactly how, we, you know, the first thing I thought of, like, immediately I was just like, wow, danger zone, danger zone. <laughs> yeah. I was looking at Yendi. Yendi wasn't really paying attention. And uh, I'm like, he's like, what's your name? Oh, boy. I, I'm like, uh, Eric. And he's like, what's your last name? <laughs> what's your social security number? And I couldn't lie. I mean, I, I don't lie. So I told him my yeah. last well, name. Well, what's the harm in saying that? Right. He's like, oh. He's like, well, that's easy. He's obviously going to look at look me up, right? After we got checked out, he's like, bye. So he left, and he, you know, we went our separate ways. So I was telling my girlfriend, hey, that was kind of weird. She's like, ah, it's just nothing. He's being friendly. So my phone, uh, I checked my phone today, and... Right. I see a friend request from him. Okay. Complete stranger in my eyes. And then I get a private message oh, saying, hey, and I don't know what to do, Chris. Just hey? I, yes. I feel like one-hour photo, that Robin Williams movie. The se- that is exactly <laughs> what entered my mind when you said the that. The one-hour photo yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> when you said that this was just a, um, like a the, server, I thought. The first thing I did was I went home. I checked my toilet to make sure no one took a shit in the toilet. <laughs> yes. I checked all my stuff because I'm afraid I'm going to come home and this guy's going to do some like super search on me and he's going to find out where I live. So this is a local grocery store that you frequent? Once or twice uh, a month. And now you have somebody who don't even know has done their well, job in the yeah. grocery store, <laughs> basically friend requesting you. Right, and I'm not an outgoing person. I'm not a dick, but I'm not like a, oh, no, I hate a being, Mr. Bean. I hate being social and, and <laughs> Right, public. so I, I'm very polite, you know? So, I don't know. 
what to do. You should send him a gif of a high five backwards. <laughs> no, I don't. I to be completely honest, maybe I can get some coupons out of this. If I if I was in your situation, I wouldn't respond at all. I would delete the request. Well, okay, and well, I no, the say Facebook anything. thing, yeah, the social media thing. I mean, I'm not I'm not doing nothing with and that. And if he ever do, were, I go to that store now. If you were to go to the store, I would act exactly the same. And if he were to say, if you were to bring it up, I would say like, oh, I don't go on Facebook. Much. Yeah, so what's going to happen is he's going he's gonna to be waiting for me. He's going to be like, so what happened? If he were to bring I, it I up. I saw that you read my comments. If he were to bring it up to you, yeah, if he were to bring it up to you like that, that's a warning. That's like, it's already a, a, an odd situation. But to well, me, it's Well, I mean, strange. I always wanted a stalker, but not at my grocery store. No. Because I don't want to be going through, like, the meats. Is he, like, a grown man, or is he a kid? He's is in he college, a- I think. I mean, he's cool. He's a nice guy, but um, I don't need that right now. I don't need a stalker. Well, <laughs> you, I don't. I don't think because you have social media, you necessarily need to be friends with the with the stock boy. At the I know, store. but there that, that's a perfect case of me opening my mouth too much. You know, why the hell? Why didn't I tell him I was John Connor or something? Yeah, I'm, I'm not. Nice. I can't be that quick witted in an awkward situation like that. Like I keep to myself. And I'm very introverted, and when somebody were to say something like that, I would give them my name, too. The The good thing about me is that my name is, my last name's impossible right. to spell. So yeah. it'd be like, yeah, good luck. Yeah, mine's fucking three letters. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm going to feed that story, and I'll update you. Yes, please do. I think maybe you should respond. No, I am not egging it on. I am I not, no. I think you should no. just say hey back just to see what he says. No. What's, what's the point here? The next comment's going to be a dick pic. If you could be so asshole. lucky. Well, if you were to do that, then you could print it well, out. Maybe I can. Then you could print it out and post it all over the grocery store. <laughs> maybe I can pitch him on the next uh, on our podcast, and he can uh, be a, our first fan. that was something that happened and this is it's a live podcast episode 13 yes sir i'm chris this is eric and we are uh live from the crypt it's very warm here in chicago so warm that you'd be friends with your grocery store clerk so i actually have the meat sweats i never wear shorts I'm wearing my uh, oh, right, American you do. flag. You never wear shorts. Never. So this is the first time Chris has seen me in shorts. My sexy I've seen legs. you ironically in shorts. What does that mean? Well, I guess a joke. Make you a joke. view me you as make a joke? A j- well, yeah, but you make a joke about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. But we're, we're going to power through this heat wave. All right, Christopher Robbins, what are we going to be talking about in this episode? Well, Eric, have you ever watched a movie television commercial when you were a child that wasn't horror related but you found it uniquely scary and terrifying in its own way whether it was a character song whatever something that terrified you that is not found in the horror realm that's what we're going to be talking about tonight i'm excited about this topic because i know your picks are going to be juicy and i know my picks are going to be juicy it's halloween the night he came home when the deepest fears are made real. 
when the darkest nightmares come true. When the most courageous soul cowers in the face of evil. First time on TV, the modern horror classic from John Carpenter, parental discretion advised. This film contains elements of shock and suspense. And now, Halloween, you won't be watching it alone. I still can't get over the fact that Danny McBride is pretty much commanding uh, the Halloween remake slash reboot. It's so bizarre to me. I'm excited because of his recent comments on uh, on the uh, production. Danny McBride is, well, he's currently in Alien Covenant. So he and David Green are... David Gordon Green. David Gordon Green, I'm sorry. Come on. They were announced to pen the script earlier this year. And Danny McBride was simply talking about how David Green's one of his oldest friends and they've always loved the original Halloween film. He was going on saying that he was having a blast on writing the new reboot which is weird that they say it's a reboot because I thought it was a direct sequel. A direct sequel. So what I think it's going to do is it's going to be a direct sequel from Halloween 2, right? So what it's going to do is it's going to basically restart the franchise. It's not going to be an origin story, but it's going to continue the franchise, which is cool, you know? It's which, gonna... using quote, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, the good movies, generally speaking, Halloween 1 and 2. Yeah. So Danny McBride says that, Quote, he says that it definitely kind of felt that as the series went on, Michael Myers became like Frankenstein. He was indestructible. And I think the more indestructible he was, the less scary he became. No. And so David and I, our ambition was to strip it down and get it back to him being grounded in reality, which I think makes it scarier. Uh, I don't know. That's, I mean, horror is supposed to be fantastical. If I remember correctly, how many times did Myers get shot in the original? Enough. Even John Carpenter says he's this immovable object. The he's embodi- pure evil. He's the embodiment of evil. Rob Zombie's uh, remake, I felt, was an extremely grounded vision of Michael right. Myers. Starting from so, what was wrong with that? Starting from a child chronicling all the way to him being the Michael Myers that we know, it was a grounded vision. It explained why he was this way he was. I don't. I think that the John Carpenter Michael Myers was presented in a very grounded way, but I think. Towards the end of the movie, you realized he was a little bit more, especially when he was shot four or five times, fell out of, fell out of a two-story window, right. and disappeared. It shows that this guy may not just be a mental patient; he might be a little bit more. Well, they're 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 bringing back you know the whole slasher element, which is cool in the classic sense. But in order to continue the franchise, you cannot make him your standard mortal killer. You can't. I mean, even Jason has. Uh, you know supernatural elements and that's why he's able to continue i mean the last platinum dunes friday the 13th was a uh, was limp that's why they're trying to reboot it so it kind of would start the debate is how do you like your horror would you like it with a more fantasy super, supernatural element or would you like it of more this this grounded gritty trend that we live in where you, everything always has to be grounded and gritty right. and real and what, what would you prefer what's your uh I think Choice. I think I'd love a supernatural element to it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go full on go a Jason Voorhees route and and make him this uh, indestructible zombie like figure. I would love to leave some unanswered questions as to why he is the way he is. And Michael Myers is the boogeyman, and I don't feel like the boogeyman should just be a normal dude in a mask. But I feel like if you were to make him anything more than that, it would take away what makes away Michael Myers. So I don't special. think they should just leave him be. Less uh, is more. Right. Exactly. So let the audience. Kind of fill in the gaps. Loomis is there to create vague answers. Right. But Do you think he's going to be in this? No, I don't think he is. I mean, it takes place directly after H2. I think they know their boundaries. I don't think they're going to have a uh, Tarkin 
CGI Tarkin, CGI, CGI Tarkin Loomis. Loomis in there. <laughs> Loomis was just on eleven the whole the whole time in the original series. The only person that would that could play him would either be Gary Busey or Ric Flair. <laughs> Can you? I'm all for Ric Flair. I would love for them to say how they're making this grounded in reality, and they they just so. Ric Flair with Michael Myers in a figure four <laughs> and Michael Myers is trying to stab Ric Flair. We're going to get it on. Two of us will walk in that cage. One of us will walk out. And the man that walks out will be the world heavyweight woo wrestling champion. So, so at I- the end of Halloween 2, epiphany here, at the end of Halloween 2, Loomis is dead. Yes. Right? He shoots Michael Myers. The, the the hospital wing explodes. And I know he comes back, like uh, and you were saying, in part four. Yeah. Burnt, and he's cra- crazier than ever. <laughs> I, I feel like this movie's going to say that he died in the explosion. That would be the most logical choice. So that's going to make uh, the sequels very strange, because it's going to be like an alternate reality. I know. That's what... I mean, I don't want them to disregard the sequels. It's like you have the, the chronology. You're going to have different timelines. Right. That's Things are weird. getting really confusing to the average person. I mean, you know how hard it is to ex- explain Rogue One to people? It's not hard. But you know how hard that is? Because people don't know what New Hope is. Well, what's New Hope? It's a prequel to the original Star Wars movie. 77 Star Wars. You know the first Star Wars? Yeah. This takes place right before that. So how are you going to explain that in horror terms with Halloween? Oh, this one takes place... Oh, it's the after- new Halloween movie. Yeah, but it's like, it's a direct sequel to, to part two. Oh, well, wait. What about the other? What was wrong with part three? Well, part three wasn't a Halloween movie with Michael Myers. It wasn't? I thought they all were. No, 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 no. Part three, they were going a different direction. <laughs> but then it one didn't take off as well, so then part four, they continued Michael Myers. Oh, so this is a sequel to that? No, 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 no. It's a sequel to part two, but it also is disregarding the other movies. Oh, well, what about the one that came out with... Those are the just pretend. No no, 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 yeah, those are those are just pretend. But oh, wait, Doctor Loomis died in the in the new one we just seen. I thought he was in a lot of the sequels. Well, no, 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 those sequels aren't aren't canon anymore. What's canon? It's an EU nightmare. No matter what, someone's going to be upset. Oh, well, that goes with anything. Yeah. So anything. no matter what, the community will be shaken, not stirred. Out of all the franchises, this one is going to be the either a crucifixion or a resurrection. So the Halloween reboot is set for release the 18th of October, 2018. From the people who brought you Halloween, more of the night he came home. Halloween 2. There is no place to hide. He will always find you. Halloween 2. More of the night he came home. Rated R. Now playing at a theater near you. Universal horror monsters are coming back. You don't think they're going to make a comeback? I don't think Universal knows what the fuck they're doing with Universal monsters. Oh, come on. They rebranded them recently. I don't know if you've seen the new logos and like the Art Deco-esque design. It's pretty cool. But I just, uh, I feel like... Yeah, but okay, it is cool for fan art. Other than that, how is that going to look on a packaging standpoint? It's not pleasing to the eye. That's cool. It's different. Art Deco, neat. Why not actually use images of those awesome monsters? Those yeah, classic monsters. And you actually pointed out there was a huge gaping hole in that campaign. There was no Wolfman. The Wolfman and Dracula were uh, nowhere to be found. Their Art Deco designs for their packaging mock-ups were the Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the Mummy. No Phantom of the Opera, no Invisible Man. Or maybe he was there. <laughs> How many times has that <laughs> fucking joke been used? That's interesting. So I wonder if they're 
planning something special because I mean Dracula, Wolfman, and Frankie are the biggest of those. Maybe I don't. I don't know, but I don't. I, don't I mean, know. the Art Deco is cool if it was fan art, not for a professional promo piece. If they've stumbled upon, well, they're trying to mimic that '30s, '40s era design, which was Art Deco was very popular. Yeah, of course, but the the but the design itself doesn't necessarily correlate to the new movies. That's mimic coming that out. as well. Yes, it just looks kind of cheap. I think that when you're a movie studio that has the likenesses of Boris Karloff and Lon Chaney Jr. and uh, not so much Bela Lugosi because they're always in rights battles with his likeness, but you think you would use that off. Because to this day, when people think of Dracula or Frankenstein, I mean, they think of Bella and right. Karloff. And you think the Universal would proudly show that. I'm excited to see what they do with it marketing-wise. I don't know what to say about this new Mummy movie. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, as far as the future of the Universal Monsters, the marketing and whatnot, it was pretty cool to see anything new because Universal seems so stingy right? Um, with their back catalog. I am worried. The only thing we can do, my friend, is wait. All right, Eric, you got your picks ready? Yes, sir. I do as well. Tonight we're going to be talking about scariest non-horror-related characters. When you were a kid, did you ever watch a movie, television, commercial, whatever? It freaked you out a little bit. But this wasn't something like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street. It could have been anything. It could have been a commercial you saw as a child. It could be a toy. It could be one of those creepy, overexcited kids on those board games from the 90s. <laughs> Jesus, they're terrifying. So tonight we're going to pick what? What would you say, maybe four each? Let's do four. We can talk about this forever. You're right. We could talk about it forever. So without sooner or later here on episode 13, let's discuss eight of the spookiest, scariest, most terrifying characters not found in horror. Chris, I'm going to take my spray cap full of coins. <laughs> Something everyone has. All right, here we go. Call it. <laughs> <laughs> Tails. Tails it is. Chris goes first, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to go first. I won, so you should go first. <laughs> <laughs> so you should go first, because I won. Chris does comics is going first. All right. My first pick is a classic villain from a little 90s phenomenon called the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Have you heard of this phenomenon, Eric? No, I was a Beetleborgs guy myself. Bullshit. <laughs> I was more of a VR Troopers man myself. What else can we name that's retro? Game Boy. Color. Colored boys. So I picked Goldar. Not melted caramel Goldar from the new Power Rangers movie. I picked classic, terrifying <laughs> Egyptian cat monster Goldar. Yes. So when I first saw Goldar, he terrified me because of his long hair, his wings, 
And the fact that he was basically a bipedal space cat. For those who don't know who Goldar is, for those maybe who weren't in on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Okay, let's describe him here. He's massive looking dude. He wears gold armor from head to toe. Dressed in gold armor. He has a gold sword. He has big black like crow wings jutting out of his back. Right. Which reminds me of the flying monkeys from Wizard Wizard of Oz. And his face is like a monkey cat with bright red eyes. Right. And his voice is terrifying. Goldar is the only character I know that starts every sentence with, (laughs) (laughs) So the Power Rangers was based on a 70s Japanese television show called Super Sentai. And basically all the Power Ranger footage that we've seen from the Megazords to characters like Goldar and Lord Zed and Rita Repulsa and stuff, that was all... Japanese footage, and then the Saved by the Bell-esque scenes that we've seen was all American footage, and they would edit together into these uh, Mighty Morphin Power Ranger episodes. So what was scary about Goldar was that his mouth never, ever synced up with what he was saying. Well, not even with, like, Bobo or Booba, whatever that fucking blue freak is. Booba. That just added another nightmarish element to a seven-foot cat, basically. So I was trying to look out exactly what he was. And the most I could find out on about him is that he was a humanoid ape. And he basically served as Rita. Rita was the main villain of the Power Rangers until Lord Zed came in. She was like this evil witch that had a little... Thank God, is her voice annoying. Oh, yes, it was irritating. And she had a little creepy toy maker looking guy that would sculpt monsters out of clay to send them to Earth to kill the Power Rangers. Basically, Goldar was her right-hand man. And he would do all of her bidding and he would always go down to Earth to fight the rangers and and sick more putties on them and everything like that so i was actually going back and i was watching some of the early episodes of the power rangers a few weeks ago and his voice changed i I started with the first really yeah i started with the first few episodes and his voice is very different first few episodes it's not as stupid sounding i guess his voice kind of sounds like a big dumb evil type voice but he was a little bit more dignified when he first started he also didn't have wings in the first couple episodes but yeah, Goldar was absolutely terrifying. I remember as a little kid going to um, the Power Rangers live action show and hoping that he would never, ever come on stage. What would you do if you were walking down the street and you actually saw Goldar? I wouldn't be as scared of him anymore. He's a pretty bumbling character. Like, he never, ever got the job done. And he never really came close to getting the job done. Even when he was able to grow, like, the size of, like, 30 stories. <laughs> He still would get his ass kicked. He was kind of... He, he He's not intimidating. He's scary looking. And when you're a child, he's scary. The intimidation factor has severely dropped now that I'm older. I'm pretty sure the Three Stooges would be able to take him out. Goldar. So my first pick is Goldar from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I told you it wouldn't work. But your power morpher might. <laughs> if you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> This character is awesome. The actor is awesome. The movie is awesome. The year was awesome. 1986, The Highlander, Kurgan. Oh, man. Yes, sir. Played by Mr. Krabs himself, Clancy Brown. So Kurgan scared you when you were a kid? Yes. Not when he was in the past. It's when he was in the the 80s, when he was wearing all the leather and he shaved his head. His insanity was creepy as shit, and especially his voice. So if you can, for people who don't exactly know the Highlander, can you briefly describe what the Highlander is about? The Highlander is about two immortals 
facing off and trying to cut cut off each other's heads. Simply put. Yes. Very simply put. The only way you can kill a Highlander is by slicing off their heads. Right. And they're drawn together like magnets for this thing called the Gathering. And uh, they want the prize, which is pretty much, you know, singing to the future and all this stuff. So, 1986, Connor McCloud, played by Christopher Lambert, faces off with his pretty much his nemesis since the beginning, the Kurgan, who is this this black warrior. Uh, he's actually Russian. And he is just, I mean, he raped his uh, Connor's wife. He chopped off Con- uh, Connor's head, Connor's tra- uh, basically mentor. Mentor, yeah. He's been tormenting. Connor, he's like the Joker to Connor McCloud, yes, basically. And uh, the one scene that I love is when he goes to the church and he meets Connor there because the church is holy ground and they can't do anything because they're protected by the holy ground or some shit. It's it's uh, sacred. He just basically defiles the church in a way. He's so disrespectful. He licks the priest's hand and he's some. I'm just a mere worm. And he licks the the priest's hand. It, was, it just reminded me because I saw the Highlander around the same time I saw The Exorcist, mm-hmm. and his mannerisms. And I was really upset me because he was disrespectful to the church. And as a kid, his his appearance, his he was pale. He was he always had this twisted smile, and he was just pure evil. You know that scene in Highlander with Candy, the hooker. Mm-hmm. She's like, Hi, I'm Candy. And he says, of course you are. And then he closes the door, or she closes the door. Like, what happens? Like, <laughs> yeah. what the hell does he do? Because right before that, he was putting together his sword. I mean, like, what the possibilities are endless of what he did to Candy. And Clancy Brown, now he's a voice actor, but I guess he's been voice acting for a long time, but his performance in that movie should be iconic. I think the Highlander, it's like it's a well-regarded movie. A lot of people know, a lot of people love it. But yeah, the Kurgan doesn't really get, I guess, that cult following that so many other villains He's terrible. He's so metal. And his image, black ripped up leather, uh, chains on him, his lines, he said, it's better to burn out than fade away. Okay, so Kurgan has these, uh, has a neck wound. And what he did was he took safety pins and safety pinned it closed. So, I mean, that's why his voice is all fucked up. Yeah. He belongs in a Hellraiser movie. If all you horror fans out there want to start a new trend, definitely start quoting Kurgan, posting Kurgan clips. Kurgan can be the next big viral retro thing. Absolutely, because it's better to burn out than fade away. I have something to say. It's better to burn out than to fade away. Feed me your second choice. So my second choice, it's not digging as deep as I like, but it's somebody that I had to put. We're speaking from the heart here about things that terrified us when we were kids. Of course. And this character is something that definitely was on the creepy side. And that is none other than Judge Doom from 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, nice. More specifically, when Judge Doom reveals himself to be a tune which is terrifying. That movie, to this day, because I watched it recently, maybe in the last couple months, yeah. still really messes with your mind because of the animation and then the maturity of it all. It's an absolutely twisted movie. It is. It's a film noir that like pulls no punches. It just puts cartoons in there. And you think it's maybe like a kid's movie because of that, but it's really not. 
So I picked Judge Doom. Judge Doom is played by Christopher Lloyd, of course. And Judge Doom was basically this uh, tunesist. He was this guy who was racist against tunes. He didn't want tunes to running rampant in our world and everything like that. He had a pretty strong prejudice against them. And he created a uh, liquid known as the dip that basically erased ink. So it would erase the ink of tunes. And famously, he killed that adorable, cute little squeaking shoe in front of us all. But it was revealed, spoilers if you haven't seen Roger Rabbit, it was revealed that Judge Doom was the killer of Eddie Valiant's brother, and he was the tune that killed him after Judge Doom was run over by a steamroller. Oh my he pops gosh. up with it, that creepy high-pitched voice, and his black fedora is finally uncovered, and he's got like this one long strand of yeah. blonde hair. And his eyeballs pop out, and he's got blazing red eyes. He's got giant toon teeth, and then his hands just turn into various gold weapons, like yeah. buzz saws and hammers, and, and his voice gets super high-pitched. You know sometimes when volume or sound gets so loud, you kind of get a little panicky? Yes. That's exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> I remember as a kid watching that scene and thinking like, if I was Eddie Valley in that scene, like I would just completely book out of that warehouse. Like that's absolutely terrifying. That's happening. I also thought it was really creepy when they killed him in that Wizard of Oz evil witch way of dying and that rubber mask that they, that they picked up. Um, that he was basically. So what was interesting was that he was wearing this rubber mask of Christopher Lloyd the whole movie. So what did he look like? You seen those bright red eyes? You seen the the weird hair? You seen the giant teeth? What did the guy actually look like? They just unveiled the fact that there was a uh, a graphic novel printed called The Resurrection of Doom, and it explained that he was a toon named Baron Von Rotten. That's a badass fucking punk name. And he was in his Baron Von Rotten. And his role throughout the Toon universe was he played villains in movies and in cartoons. That was his role. And this is when it gets kind of weird. He suffered a concussion, and he awakened believing he was a real villain, which led to Judge Doom, I guess. I personally like the air of mystery to the character. Yeah. So I'm going to stick with that. That's crazy. Yeah, Roger Rabbit. I mean, the char- there's actually a lot of creepy characters in there. Um, one of them is that baby. <laughs> baby Herman, yeah. Yeah, he's creepy just because he's a c- cigar-smoking baby, yeah. yet he's still a baby. It just, that creeps me out. Those weasels were creepy, I thought. Oh, yeah, the weasels. Especially when they were all dying and they were all just laughing over each other while they were dying. I thought that was That's really creepy. Up. It was like all these death scenes where they're all getting killed and they're all just laughing at each other dying while they're dying. <laughs> really <laughs> off-putting. It's twisted, man. But yeah, I would. Uh, that would be my second pick would be Judge Doom, more specifically the tune reveal of Judge Doom from Roger Rabbit. Holy smoke, he's a tune! Surprise! Not really. That lame brain freeway idea could only be cooked up by a tune. Not just a tune! sir so this second pick to this day still creeps me out because i just tried to watch an episode or two maybe 10 years ago we did talk about this go on it is b p richfield from dinosaurs the tv show from the 90s oh man that yeah he was a giant stegosaurus triceratops triceratops yes and he was played by sherman helmsley 
Oh man, really? Yeah, they're not playing. The voice was Sherman yeah. Helmsley. So most famous for the Jeffersons. Wrong, Mr. Nanny with Hulk Hogan. Oh shit! Yeah, Mr. Nanny. <laughs> yeah, the iconic dude. role from Mr. So, Nanny. He was a carnivorous triceratops. He in the, the one episode which he eats an endangered species of animal. It's just so freaking creepy. His voice. He's always angry. His massive size. I remember the shading on him. Yes, that's what I was gonna talk about. I remember all the time Earl Sinclair walking into his construction trailer, yeah. and he would take up like an entire wall. He was just looming triceratops, and it was always like kind of that that dusk yeah. kind of look, that yeah. warm dusk look. And he was like, I don't know if he had a cigar. I feel like he did, but I don't. I don't think he I just, actually. He had did. a baby desk and, and, and his Sinclair. His <laughs> was vo- always, oh yeah. gosh, Sinclair gave him that box of. Uh, cute little animals and Richfield tricked him into giving it to the corporation because the corporation is nice yeah he walks out and you just hear uh, Richfield eat him Sinclair walks back in or rushes back in and you, you see him licking his chops and just the box ripped open it was just so disturbing as a kid this giant supposed to be a herbivore yeah just ate some meat and he talks like Sherman Helmsley because he is Sherman Helmsley. It's funny because out of all the characters in that show, like even the T Rex, like they made the T Rex that was Earl's friend, and he was kind of like this funny, yeah, silly little buddy type character. The Triceratops is the most terrifying. I, w- I always, as a kid, would think about being in the trailer with that guy and the fact that he never got up and he was this huge ass figure. I imagine him like <laughs> rushing after me and trying to eat me. The show itself was disturbing. The opening sequence. With the drums, and he, yeah, it was, uh, Sinclair it was, was walking, walking POV yeah. of Sinclair walking knocking uh, over trees. And yes, everything. that was so freaking terrifying. It was supposed to be, I know, and it got me good. And, <laughs> and it then still it turned did. into like a cute sitcom. And Jim Henson was uh, part of it. He had the idea, but before he passed away, um, he wasn't able to see the the production of it. But I found some really cool factoids about uh, dinosaurs, um, especially from. Uh, uh, B.P. Richfield, the creep. So I never knew his name either. Yeah, I didn't know his first name was B.P. It's voiced by Sherman Helmsley. It was performed by Steve Whitmire, who played Kermit the Frog and Ernie after Jim Henson passed away. It's um, funny when you follow a lot of those Jim Henson productions. I mean, he pretty much took the same crew to do everything. So a lot of characters that a lot of people love, from Labyrinth to Dark Crystal to Dinosaurs to the Muppets to Sesame Street... They're all kind of the same dudes. Like, it's pretty interesting to see how talented uh, these guys were. Are, I should say. For my next pick, I want you to side with me because you're a big fan of this. Am as I? As am I. Interested? It's something quite innocent, but it did give me the heebie-jeebies and slight nightmares when I was a child. All right, hold on. Can you give me some hints? Because I want to guess this. Okay, you want to guess it, huh? Yes. This is something Disney produced. Okay. 
It's animated. 90s? No, not 90s. It's a dream sequence of sorts. It delves into the fear of this animated character, which he passed on to me. You are, I'm drawing a complete blank. It's Heffalumps and Woozles. Oh, Winnie the Pooh! <laughs> it was featured in Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, later The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. One of my favorite animated movies Absolutely, is The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. It's such a cute, timeless movie. And my favorite thing about this, about this dream sequence is, is Pooh is, is terrified of these Huffalumps and Woozles, which can only be described as really 60s tripped out elephants and weasels. Yeah. But what's funny is that, like, he's up during a stormy night, He's got and he's got a shotgun. I remember that. <laughs> Why would... Who gave Winnie, Winnie the Pooh a license... For a weapon, when this mother mother gets stuck inside honey pots, and he doesn't even wear pants. <laughs> What's funny is that what I realized from Disney cartoons is that most Disney characters carry shotguns by their bedside. There are tons of Mickey Mouse and Goofy and Donald Duck shorts where they hear something in the middle of the night and they just pull they whip out a shotgun. Who's innocently <laughs> enough had a cork in it? You've seen the cork yeah, in it yeah. with the string and everything. Pop gun. It was a pop gun. Because he's an idiot. <laughs> he thought it was a real gun. He probably paid three grand for it. <laughs> That's a double barrel shotgun. Do you some good damage? Home protection. Gave him a pop gun from Kmart. So Pooh was like protecting. What was it? Was he protecting his homestead? Because it was like a blustery, scary. Well, day. he was scared, so he just yeah. So he, he pulled out his shotgun. He decided to march around his room if any fiends were to come in. He was and wearing he, his uh, his nightgown, right? He was wearing his nightgown yeah. and his cap. And which which he, is funny because the guy, like I said, the guy doesn't wear any pants. No, he doesn't wear so any why, pants. So why? Why do you wear anything? There's at all? also Donald Duck cartoons where he walks out of the shower in a towel. Really? But he, yeah, he comes out of the. He's a duck, first of all. And we've all seen duck dicks. And Those he are comes, terrifying. And he comes out of the shower. He's got a towel on. And then he figures, well, I got to go out in public, so he takes the towel <laughs> off, puts a shirt on, and he's good to go. But anyway, Pooh passes out. He's too tired from all this, and he starts dreaming, which turns into a nightmare of these huffalumps. And woozles. And well, for for these non-poo fans, we're poonanites. We're poonanites. How childish! So the heffalumps are <laughs> heffalumps are the monsters of the Hundred Acre Wood. And then they expanded the canon to the Pooh's heffalump movie, which it turned out that it was just like a cute, cute little, little stuffed yeah, elephant yeah, with a cute little fucking voice, which completely destroyed. To me, that's not this canon. dream sequence. <laughs> yeah, that's not. It, to me, that Huffle movie isn't canon. That's post post crisis when he the PTSD poo. Yeah, so you get this very sixties esque dream sequence with an incredibly catchy song, um, talking about these heffalumps and woozles, and especially the point of these creatures is they steal Pooh's honey. That's what Pooh is protecting the honey from these heffalumps and woozles. They are these demons that come in all different sorts of colors and stripes and polka dots, and they have terrifying snouts bouncy bodies and they suck up Pooh's honey that is so which is his lifeblood he'll die for that honey oh I'm pretty sure that honey has some sort of drug effect (laughs) on Pooh because this man has done so much to himself (laughs) to acclaim this man Winnie the Pooh this man has done so much to himself he's neglected birthday parties he's neglected family he's He's put his health at risk at his his health his body Yes, who who designed the these uh, these pair of nightmarish Disney animators? I, I don't know specifically. I mean, it would be the production crew. What of the year? Animators. I wonder if this stemmed from some psychedelic experience that the creators had, because that would really well. Damn. So the short Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day debuted in 1968. 
Um, okay, so yeah, the '60s, and and if you watch the animated sequence, it is very from the from the art style to the use of colors and the fact that I mean the whole it's a very LSD looking dream sequence. It's kind of like the uh, the terrifying sequence with um, Dumbo. Dumbo, yeah, yeah. Dumbo. Nobody ever talks about that. I've read a couple articles that you know pretty much capped what I what I think, but that movie's like an hour long, which drunken. I didn't know it was so short, and it just stops dead in its tracks for like for a little drunk this moment, six minute creepy LSD Dumbo moment. So my third pick was the Heffalumps and Woozles, as made famous by Winnie the Pooh. I'm gonna watch that and remind myself how terrifying drugs can be. Guard your honey. <laughs> oh, that was a Tie Fighter. So for my third pick, I chose a character that creeped me out, more like disturbed me. So I wanted to add it. And as an adult, I realized how this character basically is the definition of the most protective parent of all time. My third choice is Sarah Connor too. The but there's a parenth- uh, parenthetical in there, I guess. In my choice, is that the right word? Who okay. cares? So there's a so. Uh, Sarah, Sarah Connor from Terminator 2 is my third choice, but it is the wrath of a mother. The shit she does to protect her son for something that she can't really say is going to happen is insane. So she breaks out of a mental institution. She stabs somebody in the uh, in the in the leg. She shoots a father in front of her <laughs> in front of his son. She's going to massacre everybody off a, of a potential idea in, that she was told from the 80s. It is insane. Sarah Connor is a is a, a rabid mother She's bear. Ra- yeah, a rabid mother bear, I'd say. She's I mean, terrifying in that movie. I think what, what makes her character so terrifying is the 180 from, from the yeah, first movie to Absolutely, that yeah. She was a sweet waitress in yeah. the original movie who was you know thrown into this... Just hanging out with world. friends, going to going to hang out with guys, go dancing, yeah. and and then you fast forward to the second film, and and she's just this lean, Madonna armed murderer. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> that stops at nothing to to protect this this future that we don't even know is sure. Right, because I mean, there's the future always changes. How cold and calculating she is when she when she broke out of the uh, asylum and she was running down the hallway. She took those needles. And she took the cleaning yeah. solution, and I mean, she knew what to do with that. The scene when she shoots Miles Dyson in the arm in front of, don't kill my daddy in front of her son. Oh yeah, was just so terrifying because she was so close. When I think of when I think of Sarah Connor, I think of her with the with those Bret Hart sunglasses yes. and the black tank top and with the, the giant gun, the hat, yeah, yeah and the military gun, gun, and just fucking mowing down the hat. this suburban family. Yes, <laughs> having a relaxing evening after this work. Black family, nice and peaceful. <laughs> Here comes a crazy white woman through the fucking back door. Oh my god, 
that was also like the first scene of the movie where you weren't really rooting for her or like you're kind of like this chick may be uh going a little bit too far here. right like right. what's going on which is the point of the scene i'm sure right because right at the end you realize that she's i mean she's pretty i mean in my eyes she was broken she's unstable yeah yeah never cross a mother's path especially if it's sarah connor <laughs> I'm sure it feels very real to you. On August 29th, 1997, it's gonna feel pretty fucking real to you, too. Anybody not wearing two million sunblock is gonna have a real bad day, get it? God, you think you're safe and alive? You're already dead, everybody. Him, you, you're dead already. This whole place, everything you see is gone. You're the one living in a fucking dream, Solomon, because I knew it happened. So my last pick is a character that makes a very brief appearance, but makes a lasting impression on most people who see it. It definitely made a lasting impression on me, who is always scared of this small section of the film. I'd always close my eyes when it would happen from one of my favorite childhood movies. It's from 1985's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. So I only saw that maybe two or three times as a child. It was fun, but characters, I can't say I really remember too many. There are multiple scary things in that movie. Wasn't there something about a truck driver? Is that, oh, I'm, I'm tickling the tip. What is it? Remind That's me. That's exactly what my pick is. My pick is Large Marge. Oh, my God. From Pee-wee's God. Big Adventure. Large Marge just has like a brief monologue with Pee-wee. Pee-wee is trying to make his way to get his bike, and he's hitchhiking down the road. He gets picked up in the middle of the night by a truck driver in which he climbs in and he simply asks some night huh on this very night 10 years ago along this same stretch of road in a dense fog just like this i saw the worst accident i ever seen there was this sound like a garbage truck dropped off the Empire State Building. And when they finally pulled the driver's body from the twisted, burning wreck, it looked like this. <laughs> Jesus, that looks like Earthworm Jim right there. I totally remember that. Yeah, man. So Large Marge had a very brief role in that movie. I mean, literally, her screen time is, is like two minutes. But it's something that sticks with a lot of fans of that movie. It's just something that's abundantly creepy and definitely the that scary monster face. You describe it as Earthworm Jim. Freakazoid? Pee-wee Herman itself is... It took me only like a year to start just getting disturbed by his behavior. <laughs> He's like the American Mr. Bean, but Mr. Bean is awesome. I Pee- love Pee-wee Herman. Yeah, I know you do. Pee-wee Herman's extremely different from Mr. Bean. They're both morons. Pee-wee Herman isn't a moron. Mr. Bean's like a bumbling fool. That's his act. And, and Pee-wee isn't... A bumbling fool. He's he's just like a man child, which is creepy. But he's hell. smart and he's clever. Large Marge was played by an actress by the name of Alice Nunn. She wasn't in much. In fact, she passed on in 1988, just three years after Pee Wee's Big Adventure. No, she hasn't really had any um notable roles. But Eric, she was in a little movie. She had some guest starring roles and some various sitcoms. But she was in one little movie in 1986 called trick-or-treat no way 
Who did she play? She was a teacher. Holy crap. She was a teacher in the movie. Look at that. Everything connects to Trick or Treat. So that was a Tim Burton movie. We got a Tim Burton connection. My choice is the absolutely juicy and amazing character that Tim Burton really perfected and, in my opinion, is my favorite version from Batman Returns, The Penguin. Mm. Mic drop. I think Danny DeVito's Penguin is the most underrated that's funny. This is my character to talk about. And of all the, like, we had the Riddler, the Joker, all these versions from different people playing, he is the most unique. I mean, down to the black shit coming out of his mouth, <laughs> to the plot of kidnapping Gotham's children to basically kill them. Yeah. What the hell? Tim Burton knew that he was going to take this and just make a Tim Burton movie. And Danny DeVito just aced it. What a freaking terrifying. I mean, the, when he first meets Max Shrek. They kidnap Shrek, and he lets him know what he wants, and then he has the severed hand just waiting oh, as a yeah, prop. Yeah. Oh, God, what a gothic nightmare. An absolute <laughs> gothic nightmare. What was your, some of your favorite scenes? Because we can talk about... Oh, man, uh, right off the bat, it has to be when he fucking bit that dude's nose. In yes, the, in the that's what office. I was going to say. It could be worse. My, <laughs> my nose, nose could be, be gushing blood. blood. What? Yeah, oh my god, and just the blood pack just Sp- squirting. Sputting, yeah, it was such an off-putting, weird scene, because just the uh, just the uh, change in lighting and everything, how it was, that was like a normal room. Yeah. They, which you don't see in a Tim Burton movie, and, or in his Gotham City, it was just this bright, normal campaign office, and to see uh, the, the Penguin, of all people, standing in it, how alien he looked, and biting uh, somebody's face and seeing the blood go over it. Oh, man. Not to mention him just gnawing on raw fish all the that time. Was sure that was, was real. That was real I could imagine he did it, yeah. In my opinion, I think the Penguin is not one of the most well-liked Batman villains. I mean, he's probably one of the most popular, and I say popular because people know him. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's one of the most beloved. The Penguin is, I mean, you have the traditional Penguin being this rich, monocle-wearing... Stubby guy. I mean, that's stubby, pretty much it. I yeah, guess he asshole. likes penguins. He kind of looks like a penguin. I mean, but other than that, he's kind of a thief. He's got some various themed umbrellas. I mean, he's a pretty silly, lame character when you think about him. So he's one of those characters that you have to adapt and, like, have some fun with. Right, which is what exactly what Burton did in Returns. I mean, just the fact that it it opens with him being born. That sequence, by His the way. His father's Pee Wee Herman. Right. Oh, my gosh, another connection. <laughs> Pee Wee Herman runs out of the room. <laughs> First, the doctor runs out, and you see him covered in blood, and then you just see this, oh, yeah. hear the scream, and how would you even the squalling of the baby penguin? That is a total monster movie intro, right? And he eats the cat. Remember, he yeah. eats the cat. Yeah. If you weren't telling that was a Batman movie, I would totally think it was a horror movie. And then he had the duck car. The duck car, yeah. He had Jesus. the creepy skeleton dudes on the motorcycles. Yes. Batman Returns is a Christmas horror movie. It is. It is truly is. His plot, in my opinion, was twenty times worse than the Joker's. He's your kidnapping. Ki- your ki- it, it, Joker was all about like, oh, let's make innocent people kill each other. Well, this guy was like, yeah, I'm just gonna kidnap babies and kill them. Right. It's just, <laughs> if it was Heath Ledger's Joker versus Danny DeVito's Penguin, 
Who do you think would like out evil each other? Who do you think would win that war? Huh. Batman wasn't in the question. This was just like these two villains outdoing it. Well, so if I'm going off of the facts that we have from yes. Returns and, and, and Heath's Joker, I would say Heath because he was always like, I mean, he outwitted Batman. So he was always a step ahead. Well, the fact that to me the Penguin was going after babies, was going after children, to me that brings it to a different level. Right, but he singled out. Yeah, you know what? Heath was about authority, and Heath was about anarchy, so he was kind of attacking authority throughout, whether it was crime lords, police, SWAT, detective. That was his main thing, you know? Right. He didn't care about the general populace of Gotham, but that wasn't his focus, whereas the Penguin just seems like he's just really just a black-hearted bastard. He was angry at his childhood, which I guess would make him a serial killer. And he ran for mayor. Some of the cool facts I found out doing this research was they originally wanted him to be, you know, the proper skinny, uh, top-headed character. And he, but he's also supposed to be Max Shrek's brother, which mm. would have been terrible. But the coolest fact that I found... I mean, Max Shrek was also named after Nosferatu. The Batman and Robin sequel, which was originally named Batman Unchained. How really? 90s is that? <laughs> um, the Penguin was going to reappear as a hallucination by the Scarecrow fear gas. Yes, I read that. They were supposed to do Jack Nicholson as well. It was supposed to be Batman's old foes showing up. How crazy would have that been? That would have been really cool. And Jeff Goldblum was rumored for the Scarecrow. That would have been kind of weird to see. Uh... He's a tall, lanky guy, though. Yeah, I know, but his acting style. Oh, his acting style, yeah. I don't know if he would fit that. But yeah, the Penguin, man. Dan DeVito Terrifying. Pen- to me, he is the quintessential version of the Penguin. When I think of the Penguin, I think of Danny DeVito as the Penguin. I love uh, things they've done with him recently. I haven't watched Gotham at all. He's bullied in Gotham. He's more of a... It's kind of focuses on him, though, which is interesting. Yeah. Pee Wee Herman makes a cameo as his father. Really? Yeah. That's a nice little nod. It is a cool little nod. So I think it's a... That's a great pick. He's a terrifying little man. Great speech, Oswald. My name is not Oswald. It's Penguin. I am not a human being. I am an animal. Cold-blooded, cranky AC. Where are my lists? Bring me the names. Ah, it's time. These are the names of the firstborn sons of Gotham City. Just like I was. And like me, a terrible fate waits for them. Tonight, while their parents party, they'll be dreaming away in their safe cribs, their soft beds, and we will snatch them, carry them into the sewer, and toss them into a deep, dark, watery grave. Uh, Penguin? I mean, killing sleeping sewer, isn't that a little, uh... All right, Eric, that pretty much wraps up our list for some of the creepiest and scariest non-horror movie characters. I really enjoyed your picks. If you could pick one of mine, and if I could pick one of yours, let's see, what would they be? My picks were Goldar from the Power Rangers, Judge Doom from Roger Rabbit, Heffalumps and Woozles from the Winnie the Pooh movie, and Large Marge from Pee Wee Herman. Your picks were? I had Kurgan from The Highlander. I had the Penguin from Batman Returns. I had Sarah Connor from Terminator 2. And so I had Mr. Richfield 
from the TV show Dinosaurs. Well, let me see here. I'm going to probably have to go with B.P. Richfield. Yes. Because that was something that I watched when I was a kid, and that was a character that was pretty fucking scary when I was a kid. This giant, hulking dinosaur <laughs> that was just eating living flesh in the trailer. Yes. Uh, my selection for you is Doom, because that scene, I mean, I forgot about it entirely until you just reminded me, and I'm just remind, reminded of how uh, the imagery and the sound just hit me at Yeah, it's that voice hard. that's really off-putting. He reminded me of a, an SS soldier or an agent or whatever. Um, Actually, a little trivia, a little quick trivia for you, Eric. Mm. Doom bears some resemblance to Roland Freisler. He's a notorious Nazi figure who is also a ruthless judge. Ah. That was a little bit of trivia I found out while researching Well, that's judge why, Doom. I guess. I love your choices, and I know you had a couple bonus ones. Share them with me briefly. I had one. Um, you brought up Dinosaurs, Jim Henson. Mine was Sweetums the Muppet. From Jim Henson, uh, from the from the Muppets. I never heard of this Sweetums puppet. I'm gonna Google this shit. Oh God, that dick nose looking demon. So like the Muppets are like a fun loving family thing. Yeah. And Sweetums, like they're all puppets. You put them on your fucking hands and you, and you puppet around. Sweetums <laughs> is like a giant dude. Yeah. In a costume. He was huge. He was like eight feet tall, and he was an ogre, apparently. I was reading a little bit about him, and his backstory is he's an ogre, and he's kind of a friendly oaf-type character. I mean, he's got fangs. He's dressed in, like, a potato sack. He's got giant Bigfoot feet. He's got, like, claw hands. And I know he's supposed to be, like, a, he's a silly, kind of, like, goofy-type character, but he's just, he's terrifying. There's something wrong with Jim Henson. I want to know, <laughs> he has these wonderful children's stories, but he is obsessed with filling them with fear. He's got a dark side, definitely. I, I remember going to Muppet Vision 3D in MGM Studios when I was a kid. I, I there too. And um, I there too. it's a 3D movie. You sit yep. in the chair. Sweetums actually comes out into the crowd. Yes. He's a dude in a costume. And I remember as a kid, you know, enjoying the Muppet movie. And then that motherfucker storming into the crowd. I remember just like... Don't look at me. Don't look at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, holy shit. You're like, no, no, no. Like, out of all the characters, why did it have to be this freak monster? Yes, I remember that. What about you, Eric? Real. What would you say? Well, I had two um, that were tickled my list. One of them was a Power Rangers character, and that was that damn pig from the original Power Rangers, the one with the Centaurian helmet that ate everything. Now, was he part of the TV series, or is he part of just the movie? No, he's part of the TV series. Was he? Yeah. I remember him in the movie. He was movie. in, like, episode two or three. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the pig sidekick that was in the movie, but you were talking about one that looked like a fucking mad ball. Yes. He <laughs> totally looked like a mad ball. And he ate everything, and his voice and his art... He had a really terrible costume, but he was absolutely terrifying. Do you remember his what his name was at all? Yes. Oh, my God. Pudgy Pig. He swallowed all their weapons. He His arms, like, came out of his face or his hook yes okay and oh my god he was just creepy absolutely creepy and his costume was so bad his hands came out of his mouth yeah like a bad mascot yeah see it like a college football game or something absolutely but he had enough power to take out the power rangers yeah he was just creepy as hell it was that and i was really really wanting to use those fucking trees from the wizard of oz those jerk oh, trees yeah. Talking ones, yeah. They creeped me out because, one, I was surprised when they appeared briefly. And when they tried to grab Dorothy and how mean they were. Yeah, they're very like, aggressive. 
if they grabbed Dorothy and they got her, what would they have done? I think they would have just broken her in half. <laughs> so I did a little research in the original books and stuff. The Tin Man actually engaged in battle with one of them and like chopped him up. Oh, this is not your apple. Yeah, that's a good pick. All right, so... So we hope you enjoyed our list rattling off some of these creepy and scary characters not found in horror. I really enjoyed your picks, Eric. I hope you enjoyed mine. I did enjoy yours, and yours was really creative, too, because you triggered some some forgotten uh, movies. As did you. So that was our list. If you guys have anything you want to talk about, something that was pretty scary and creepy from your childhood, or something right now, even in modern times, that you find creepy that's not supposed to be, let us know. We have various ways to contact us. You have our Facebook page. You also have our Twitter, at It's Alive Pod. Our website, itsalivepodcast.com, as well as our email, itsalivepodcast at gmail.com. Eric, we are on episode 13. How do you feel about that? I'm good. Our episodes are being released when we want to because we have full-time jobs, Chris. I know people who have started podcasts <laughs> within the past two months, and they're like already on episode like 75. 70, like it's it's ridiculous a how podcast some minute, shows. It seems like yeah, it seems it's ridiculous how fast some shows seem to go. I mean, I know we're that that type of podcast, but so we got a comment saying some with someone asking us, you know, about the delay. There's there's no delay. We both work fifty. 55 hours a week that's no joke this is it's a hobby it's something that we really wanted to do for quite some time and instead of always talking about it we figured we would act on it we don't really have any set schedule when we record we just basically get together and record when we're free as eric stated previously we both have full-time jobs which could be pretty time consuming time consuming a good chunk of the time right so i did a 12-hour day today i mean a lot of these people do we're not complaining don't get us wrong if you think we're complaining go jump out a window because we're not we're just stating the facts jack this is a fun hobby that we like to do i wish we can come out with the show every wednesday or every friday or something like that but simply put due to our schedules due to personal reasons from where we live to where we work to things we do outside we have our own personal projects outside of this own podcast it doesn't always allow it and instead of us rushing a half-assed not as good podcast to the airwaves just so we could say we did it we'd rather take our time produce some decent fun episodes that we're proud of and deliver them straight from the crypt to your ears we're not a horror movie podcast what we're trying to do here is just simply talk about horror pop Pop culture, yes. We want to get a conversation going, and that is through you, through our listeners. As we've stated, we have many ways to contact us. Please throw us a line. Twitter, Facebook, email, website. We would love to have a dialogue going with our listeners. That way we could bring rich, contented episodes in the future. So, I mean, we, we, we totally appreciate our uh, the, the huge support we have. Definitely. We're really hoping to uh, expand, and we're eventually going to be uh, bringing some uh, our experiences to the conventions, and we're going to bring you guys with us. So we want to thank our listeners, as always. We are the It's Alive podcast, a horror popcast for the average working ghoul, and we look forward to bringing you guys some great episodes in the future, whether it's next week, two weeks from now, a month from now, schedule permitting we are going to be here for a very long time bringing you the most fun pop culture we could bring you with horror so as always i am chris i am eric 
Well, see ya!